Well, greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Tim Dube. It's always a pleasure to have you on the program, His Word, where we meet to read the Word and hear what the Lord is saying to us. Today, we are into the book of Isaiah 41. We are looking into God's assurance in our difficult life moments. God is involved in our lives. You might be going through something very, very painful, difficult, and you are so feeble. Know that God is involved in your life and he gives you assurance that he is there and he will give you victory and he will give you strength for he is a God who cares about our lives. Just sit and relax and listen to the message and hear what God says through his word. The title of the message today is Where is God amid life struggles? We will read the Bible in the book of Isaiah, it is Isaiah chapter 41 from verse 8 to verse 17, where it reads thus, But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called from its farthest or its furthest region and said to you, You are my, you are my. I have chosen you uh, and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, uh, behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing as non-existing thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold, you ri- will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, you, worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you into a threshing sledge with sharp teeth, you shall thresh the mountains and beat them small, and they, they, the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them. You shall rejoice in the Lord, and glory in the Holy One of Israel. The poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. The tongues fail, to thirst, fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the Lord of Israel, will not forsake them. Amen. Life has got its own struggles. Sometimes when you're in a struggle deep down in the valley, you feel like you are deserted. You feel uh, isolated from the rest of the community. When things aren't right and you feel like your family and your friends or even your church has deserted you. During that time, you feel weak. Because you are so detached and you are so stressed. You feel weak. You lose appetite. You, must, you might also lose faith. Uh, no, your, your weight, I'm sorry. 
and even bring stress-related diseases like BP and all these uh, uh, sugar diabetes. That's life situation. When you are so down, life can be so bad. So when we are reading, we are reading the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is one of the major prophets in the Bible. He lived in the time of Jotam, Ahaz, and uh, Ezekiel. So in these chapters that we are reading from verse uh, 41, it is part of, they say, the theologians, is part two of the book of Isaiah. They, are, uh, they claim there are three parts in the book of Isaiah. So this is a third part of the book of Isaiah where he's talking about Israel in Babylon. So when they were in Babylon, things were tough for Israel. Remember, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, when, they had, uh, when Israel had been in Babylon and they thought it was going to be a short time, God spoke through Jeremiah and told them, go and tell them, let them marry, let them build houses, let them plow, let them eat. It was going to be a long time. So the, the stress they were going through or the torture, the frustration that was in their life wasn't for something that was going to short, take a short time, but it was going to last. But God is there in their lives. In that situation, Israel experienced discrimination. They experienced torture. If you can remember in the book of Daniel, where we read about Daniel, where they wanted them to, Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to, to worship uh, the idol. They refused. So it was not easy. Israel was challenged even in their faith. But they pursued worshipping God. If you read Isaiah 10 verse 22, the Bible says, For though your, for, for though your people, O Israel, be as the sand of the sea, a remnant of them will remain. The destruction decreed shall overflow with righteousness. What does this mean? It means that God knew that even if they were there in the land of torture, there was still a remnant who were people who will still hold on unto God. Now, we are living today in the time where there are so many things that distract us, things that put us deep down in the valley, things that make us feel deserted like no one actually cares for us. That is what Israel was experiencing in their life. They were so deserted. Now he sends uh, uh, Isaiah to give them this word. The first thing that God says to them, he gives them assurance of his love. The assurance that God loves them. God first calls them servants. If you read verse 7, he says, but you, Israel, are my servants. Let's understand this. It is not talking about a servant as someone who is a slave, but he's talking about a servant which is someone who worships God, and this is someone who works for God, and are some people, are people who always align to the standards of their master. So that's the context that they are writing in here, that they are people who serve God. Amen. They are people who rejected who actually stood still and did not allow the situation of Babylon to change them. God assures them of their love. If you read the Bible in the book of John 12, verse 26, I'll be taking it from the amplified versions. There are words there that I like. It says, if anyone serves me, he who serves is a servant. He must continue to faithfully follow me. Then in brackets it says, without hesitation, holding steadfast to me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of the faith. And wherever I am, 
in heaven's glory, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Those are people, those are people, these are people who actually maintain their relationship to God. They hold fast to him. They conform to the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Israel was under the attack, but because God still calls them a servant, this a remnant, there is a remnant, remnant that held on to God and they kept their faith. Amen. So as the servants of God, let us hold our faith on God and stand firm regardless of the attacks and the things that want to push us away. Let's conform to the example of Christ as the Bible says. Amen. The other thing, God assures them that they are chosen. He reminds them that they are chosen. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, the Bible says to 8, says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples of, all of the face of the earth. God had chosen Israel. God has chosen you above all the people of the earth. God has chosen us. Amen. So life situations make us not to see the love of Christ and make us to lose the, the assurance of God's love. Amen. Now, he also reminds them, just one more quote on the reminder of the assurance. He reminds them that they are the descendants of Abraham. They are the descendants of Abraham. That's something that is very, very important. To us today, what, where, where do we get, or get into the picture of being the descendants of Abraham? If you read Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it talks about us being the descendants of Abraham. Let me just read because it's always good to read the Bible. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It is faith that makes us the sons of God. Amen. For as many of you uh, uh, sorry, for as many as for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all alone in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, that is if you are saved then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. We are the heirs of the kingdom of God and we are the seed of Abraham. So God gives us the assurance that as the descendants of, of Abraham, he loves us and we are the chosen race. Amen. Here as we are, through faith, we are now the chosen race. God assures that we are his sons and he, we are his people. We are his servants. So regardless of the situation that we go through in life, we should keep our faith just like Israel kept their faith in God, the remnant that is referred to. Amen. Romans 5 verse 8, But God demonstrated his own love to us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So as sinners, we are now the people who belong to Christ. Amen. Now, God tells 
this, this nation of Israel that is under this attack, that is pushed by this uh, situation around, that is pressuring their lives, is distressing them, it's making them heavy, it's making, it's making them actually even feeble. They are so weak. God is talking to them. He has assured them, I love you. Today we are assured of God's love. Amen. He says again, fear not. That's what he said to them in verse 10. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. The statement that I am your God is so deep. Fear not, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Now, the thing that we have to learn just from this verse is that in his presence, in his presence, God knows the situation that was happening. In other words, God knows what Israel experienced. God knows what you are experiencing. So he, understand, he understood the situation that Israel was going through. So he knows that they are so weak. They are so feeble. He says, I will give you strength. You can't give strength to someone who is strong. So in other words, Israel was weak. So under this situation around them that wants them to lose their faith, they are so weak. And God assures of strength that he will give. So when you have lost your faith in that situation, God assures that I will give you strength. Amen. The other thing is that God shows involvement in their life. The first thing he's talking about strength. The other thing is involved in their life. He says, I will hold you with a righteous hand. Now, in the Old Testament, there is so much important to understand the righteous hand because it's just not as simple as we understand it. It's a metaphor. Actually, it's more detailed than what we think. It was used by people who uh, were... Uh, of, of, of importance in society. These were rulers, people who were so strong. They will say that with my righteous hand, I, can, I will uphold you. In other words, the king or the ruler will support you in whatever you do. He is there. Whoever fights you, fights him. So when God says, I will uphold you with my righteous hand, Israel, he means that I will be with you whenever anyone fights you, he fights me. Amen. There is one thing that we normally do when we pray, uh, raising up our hands. That's very, very, very important. I don't know if you understand. I remember, maybe let me explain my experience. I remember one time we were at the trade fair. One sing, uh, group was singing and everything was right. And this uh, leader of the group said, can you just raise your hands and do like this? When I was just about to raise my hand, a small, still voice said to me, what are you doing? Is that the hand of God? Let me explain the importance of the hands raised. In the old days, we are told that people, when they made an agreement, they will have to cut here with the person they are making an agreement. They will exchange the blood, bring the hands again like this. So whenever I'm attacking that person and he raises his hands like that, he will be declaring that there is someone who is coming who will attack you too. So when you're raising your hand, you're saying, I have an agreement with Jesus Christ. I have an agreement with God. If you are fighting me, you are fighting God. That's the importance. So when God says, I will uphold you with your right hand, he's giving you that kind of assurance that he is there in your life. You are never alone. 
We also read that what the other thing that we hear here is that he will do he will do to Israel something sorry what he will do to the enemies. Now there's a lot we can say here but I will just highlight a few things that he says about the enemies because it means there were enemies sure there were enemies in Babylon. There are enemies that we have today, people who are against our success, people who are pushing us to leave the faith. Actually, even the devil is busy with that. He wants to make sure that we lose our faith and we deter from faith in God. Amen. He says in verse 12 to 11 to 12, everyone who hates you will be terrible disgraced. Those who attack will vanish in thin air. You will look around for those brutal enemies, but you won't find them. They will be gone. Now, the thing that I note here is that one is the humiliation to the enemies. So the enemies who think they are so strong, they can do everything, they will be humiliated. That's the first thing that we need to know. They will be humiliated. In other words, if we talk in today's language, there will be humiliation now. We do it in social media. We do where people, they just say bad things about you to belittle you. They will be humiliated. So they will become nothing. They will realize that they were nothing. Their reputation will be tarnished, their reputation. What they thought they have will be removed, for God has stepped into your life. There will be nothing. God says there will be nothing, meaning all the honor and all the recognition that they have will be gone. Amen. The Bible says they will vanish. When something has vanished, it means like it was there, but it is no longer there. If we talk in terms of smoke, if it vanishes, smoke just goes away. You could see it earlier, but it's no longer there. That's what the Lord will do to your enemies. That is what God will do to the enemies of Israel. As Abraham sees, through faith in Jesus Christ, that's what God will do to us. Those people who hate us, those who suppress us, God is going to fight with them. He himself, and we will remain fair. Amen. Now, he says, we will be made new. He tells Israel, you will be made new. Verse 15 and verse 16. He says that you will be made new. Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge. Now, there are other versions that I liked on this that express this thing in different way. But maybe let me explain because of time. If you're talking about the, thre- the new threshing sledge they are referring to, in today's language, I'll talk in like something like a, a, a fork. But in the older days, remember God or the Bible was written for the audience of the Israelites. So these were people, this was an agrarian uh, uh, population. These were people who, believe, who were farmers, agrarian. They had camels, they, they were just living that life. That was their life. So the context God is bringing here is a context that they will understand clearly. So he's using the example of a threshing floor sledge. That's a tool that we, they will use on the threshing floor. When they were threshing, maybe, they would, what was it? Was it corn or wheat? The time they would make donkeys walk on whatever the wheat and then they would come with the, with the, floor, with the threshing floor and to remove the chaff. And then what we, the grains will remain there. So the understanding is a, an instrument or a tool that is worn out like the fork that has lost its sharpness. Instead of uh, having the fork, uh, whatever they call this, this, these four things, instead of making it maybe two cent, 20 centimeters, it's maybe like five. 
it makes you too overwork to do a job. So if you're saying it's a new one, it means the fork is still sharp and still long. When you just put it there, you just work as easy as possible. You can do much work in a short space of time. So God is saying he will renew them and make them sharp. He, in other words, he will restore their strength and he will make them to work effectively for God. That is God, what he will do in our lives when we are under attack. He will strengthen us. He understands the situation as long as we remain his servant. So today we are renewed. We are assured of renewance in Christ. Amen. Now, verse 17. Uh, I just want to make this uh, come down closer because it's quite long. But God is talking about a situation. This is giving a contrasting speech or a contrasting situation of an extreme situation versus another extreme situation. So God is talking about different things here. He's saying those that are thirsty, he will bring water. In other words, God will make a fountain in a valley and he will bring a pool of water in a wilderness, in the wilderness or in the desert. Now, those who have been in a desert, there is just sand in the desert. This is just sand. As long as your eyes can see, it's just sand. There is absolutely no chance there would be a pool of water. So God says, where it is impossible to see water, I will put water. There will be a, a pool of water. Then he talks about different trees, like the pine tree, the cedar trees. Those are trees, if you research about them, they grow where there is plenty of water. And there's actually one that's interesting. Uh, what was it? Is it the, it's the Achaia tree, I think. That one, if you research about it, it's a tree, but its roots, they don't go deep. We know that uh, trees that grow in the, in the desert, they have deep roots. That's why we have uh, uh, this, this very, very, uh, this, this thick trees there. I don't know what they call them. Aloe and all those things. But they survive because they have deep, deep roots. Now, this one doesn't have deep roots. They're just shallow. So in other words, that's a plant that depends solely on rain and surface water. But God says it will survive. He will provide. That's the God. These are two extreme situations. It's, it means that what is impossible, God will make it possible. What you think in your life will never, never, never make it, God says it will make it for his God. So what is the theos on this? What, what do we see about God? What's the theology of this? Because as you read the Bible, you have to understand that it is not about the character was displayed there. But it is, the, is more about who God is. It is not maybe that much about Israel, their behavior. It's true they behaved in the right way. But what remains paramount is what is God? What does this text reveal about God? The first thing that we get to understand about this is that God cares for us. We are his servants. He is God who understands every situation that we go through. And in that situation, he doesn't just relax to watch and see what you are doing, but he is there to intervene. So we are encouraged to hold on regardless of the situation that we go through. 
God is calling us to remain his servants. In this dirty world or in this confused uh, world, he still expects us to be the remnant. The people will remain and still say, God, we will hold on to you. When things are so relaxed, even when we understand the world to say, oh, everybody is doing it. I was reading the word the other day. It's another sermon I think I will share another day. It's, it's so much amazing. It's talking about God's might. It's in the book of Isaiah. I think it's, verse, it's chapter 36. It's talking about God's uh, might. He's so sovereign. He talks about the world to be something like a small ball or a clay pot. Something that is small in the end, just there. He talks about the total population of the world. Eight billion people just like sand on a scale. You, think, you know, it's not something that is heavy on the scale. It's just sand, just like sand here. That's the whole population of the world before God. And then if you imagine the hugeness or how huge and how big our God is, verily he cannot stay on a house you make. How can you stay on a ball? Think of a ball. If I put a ball here, can I sit inside? I cannot. So our God is so mighty. Children used to sing, we have a very big, big God. A big God. A God who is sovereign above everything. After all, if you watch TV and they show you all the galaxies, the stars, all those pinkish things with legally dots, and they tell you that's the globe, that's, that's Earth, that's Neptune, that's Pluto. Think God is outside there. He's above that. So it means he's so sovereign. We make the mistake, maybe our pastors or our theology, how we've preached, we've narrowed God to think God is just like one of us, as one of the big men who come and talk in church. Or one of the bishops or the archbishops or the popes. God is way, way, way above that. So he wants us to live a life that, to be his servants. You might be in exile in your life, going through stress in your life where you feel like God is not there. You feel like actually even your faith is challenged. Know that God understands what's suppressing you and he still expects you to hold on. The journey or your stay in Babylon or the difficult situation can only be determined by God. You need to pray and hold on to him. He said to them, let them build houses and relax because it was going to take long. We might be going through that. God is still there. Let's hold on. He will work for us. You might feel you are alone and you feel you are left alone. But I want to assure you, actually it is his word that has assured us that God is there. For the God on the mountain is the God in the valley. Amen. I want to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word. We are grateful to know that you are God who understands our situation. You are God who is able to deal with our enemies regardless of their status. You are the God who gives us hope, the God who gives us courage, and you are the God who protects us, and you are God who sharpens our life, our strength, that we can work again. We thank you, God, for your love. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I'm praying for the brethren who are here. 
and the brethren God who are watching or listening in the name of Jesus Christ. They might be feeling weak, feeble, like giving up in their Christian faith, but I'm praying for them in the name of Jesus Christ. May this word find a space in their heart and may they know that you are God who is there and the God who is giving us courage and the God who is protecting us, the God who will provide in the desert when there is actually nothing that can be expectant for you are a God who is alive. Father, let us not focus on the enemy who tells us you are just a tiny God, you don't care about us. We know now through your word you are a mighty God who cares for us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. And thank you for your word in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we have preached here, you might, don't have, you might not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We take this time to make an invitation to you to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to do it in faith. The Bible says if we confess with our, our mouth and we believe in our hearts, we shall be saved. If you can say this prayer after me uh, with faith, you will be saved. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I open up to you as my God. I believe that you died and rose from the dead. I give my life to you. Make me one of your own. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I believe if you have said that prayer through faith, now you are a child of God. Make sure you join a church that speaks more about Jesus Christ, actually that is founded or cemented on the word of God. Well, that's all we had for you today. I believe your life has been changed and you have now grown in knowing Christ. Actually, now you know that God is involved in your life. Whatever you're going through, God is there. We serve a mighty big God who is above every situation and is not a respecter of any man. Be encouraged. God is in your situation and he will strengthen you and he will give you victory. God willing, let's meet next time. Goodbye.